Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living in today's world. Here is your host, Dr. Laurel Trujillo. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living today. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the show. You can learn more about the Yoga Hour, the Yoga Hour at our website, theyogahour.com. Our topic today is diving deep into meditation with the use of mantra. I'm really delighted to be joined today by Martin and Stella Woodkey, who are both Kriya Yoga teachers, students of Roya Jean Davis, and founders of the Infinite Potential Institute. Marty Woodkey is an ordained minister for the Center for Spiritual Awareness. He is a pioneer in the field of bio and neurofeedback with over 35 years of experience and is the founder of the Woodkey Method of Neurotherapy, now the Infinite Potential Institute. He consults and teaches neurotherapy nationally and internationally, as well as meditation and the yogic science of consciousness. And we do have actually several uh, prior uh, yoga Hour episodes uh, featuring Marty in our um, in our archive at Unity Online Radio, uh, so you can you can check those out as well. We also have Dr. Stella Woodkey. She is a psychologist, neuroscientist, and sound therapist. She acted as a principal investigator for a state-funded EEG project on brainwave patterns associated with visual perception and was lab director of the Neurofeedback Lab at the University of Jena, Germany. Stella taught at the undergraduate and graduate level at universities in Austria, Germany, and the UK. She co-founded with her husband, Marty, the Woodkey Infinite Potential Institute in Santa Barbara, California, which offers the neuroscientific non-invasive methods of neurofeedback, energy medicine, sound therapy, and meditation training. To find out more about their work, you can check out their website at ipi.global. IPI is stands for Infinite Potential Institute, so ipi.global. We will post their information on our website, theyogahour.com. Welcome, Stella and Marty Woodkey, to the Yoga Hour. I'm, again, really delighted to have you both with me today. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. It's great to be here. Thank you, Laurel. Before we uh, dive into our dialogue about how we can dive deep into meditation with the use of mantra, let's begin with a a yoga moment, a moment of contemplation, a moment of present awareness. Oh. 
So let's begin right where we are, whatever we're doing, and bring our attention to our bodies in space, whether we're sitting or standing, walking, driving. We can take this moment just to notice, notice our bodies in space, feel the surfaces that support our bodies. Where are our feet? What are they touching? Is there something that's supporting our weight? Are we sitting in a chair? Just noticing and then bringing our attention to the breath. Wonderful tool for present moment awareness, just noticing as we take a fully conscious breath with the next inhale and exhale. On the next inhale, feeling the cool air in the nostrils. And on the next exhale, feeling how that air has been warmed as it passes through the body, through our lungs. And just continuing to notice our breath, using it to help center ourselves in this moment, letting go of whatever happened earlier today, whatever may happen later, and just being here, being with the breath. And as we rest here, right where we are, here's something to contemplate. This is from uh, Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, as translated by uh, Roy Eugene Davis in his book, A Master Guide to Meditation. As a result of higher superconscious meditation, superior influences permeate the mental field. Destructive tendencies are dissolved as constructive tendencies become pronounced. Due to its inherent nature, the flow of divine consciousness becomes peaceful and calm. Due to its inherent nature, the flow of divine consciousness becomes peaceful and calm. Oh. Once again, Marty and Stella Woodkey, welcome to the Yoga Hour. I wanted to start out just asking how each of you first became interested in the yoga path. And I know it's probably quite a long time ago <laughs> for, for uh, some, but um, how did that start? Go first. Okay, I'll, uh, I'll take the lead here. Um, I, uh, I had a spiritual experience when I was... Uh, 18 years old and that sort of started driving me towards looking at different paths and then shortly thereafter when I was in my early 20s I was attending chiropractic university in Georgia and um, Marietta Georgia and one of my classmates said I want you to meet somebody because he could see that I was searching hard reading everything I could and uh, he had happened to have lived at uh, CSA uh, Lakemont Georgia for uh, several years mm. so he um, he told me that uh, there was a fellow doing a lecture that I might be interested in meeting so I went to a, um, a um, lecture uh, that Roy was giving in Atlanta at a, a religious science church mm. and I had that experience you know I immediately recognized he was he was my teacher I was in awe I don't think I remember anything he said but the um, the energy that was coming from him and and the and his obvious uh, actualization of enlightenment um, was palpable to me. 
So that started it, and um, I started going up to the meditation retreat center every Sunday for about a year, um, a couple-hour drive, and just to meditate, to be uh, in his presence. And, of course, I listened to all the tape recordings and everything I could get my hands on, read autobiography. But I, there was no doubt uh, from that moment that I met him that that, that was my path. And um, and it hasn't changed for almost 40 years. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and how about you, Stella? I remember having the plan to become enlightened uh, when I was young. I think I was about six or seven years. So I had this plan and I don't really recall where I had it from, but I had it. And I had the plan to be enlightened by nine. <laughs> That didn't happen, so I changed my plan to becoming enlightened by 11, <laughs> then 15, 17, and you know how that go, went. But I, with 17, um, my father put the autobiography of a yogi from Paramahansa Yogananda in my hands. And since then, I, I started meditating, and I had the plan I wanted to become a Kriya Yogi. Yeah. Uh, so I meditated, and years later, um, I met Harald and Marlis Reiske in Passau. They initiated me into Kriya Yoga, and through them, I took the leap to the U.S., uh, to the Center for Spiritual Awareness, and um, went there to see Roy um, on many retreats, and so then, then it was done, so to say. <laughs> That's lovely. Yeah, so for our listeners who may not know uh, the name Roy, so it's Roy Eugene Davis, who is a um, teacher of both uh, Marty and Stella and also of Yogacharya O'Brien, who's the um, you know, founder of this uh, program. So we, our topic today is, is mantra, and mantra is a Sanskrit word formed from two roots, manas, which talks about the sense mind, and tra, which means going beyond. So... Uh, Stella, we know that you recently gave a talk at Center for Spiritual Awareness about mantra, which is why we wanted to chat with you about it. What interests e each of you uh, most about this topic of mantra? Um, for me, it's um, it's inherent power to heal and to support the spiritual path. So with a mantra, through that vibration, we can get in tune with whatever aspect of the divine or the divine itself we um, are are um, repeating right the, which which whatever word we are repeating and um, so when we chant a sans uh, Sanskrit mantra inwardly we have the ability to get in resonance with it. That means we, or part of us, starts vibrating at the same frequency. So in Sanskrit, the vibration of a word inherits its creational force, its power, right? We know that Om was actually the first you know, sound in creation. So when we uh, use OM as a mantra, we get in resonance with, you know, this very global uh, field of creation. And eventually, you know, we, we search the absolute, of course. So 
this is really, you know, the the power. And I think if we understand that and do our mantra practice with this understanding that we we are actually vibration, right? So like um, um, Max Planck, I like to cite him uh, when he accepted his Nobel Prize in 1918, he said, we have now discovered that there is no such thing as matter. It is all just different rates of vibration designed by an unseen intelligence. So and our core, you know, when we look into matter in our atoms, you know, first we thought, okay, atom, that's, you know, that's it. It doesn't right. go smaller. Then right. we looked into electrons, posit, uh, protons, and so on. And we finally discovered that what we really are is vibrating energy. It's almost like finding at the core, you know, tiny little um, tornadoes spinning energy. Um, and this is what we are made of. And this is why we are so receptible to sound, why sound therapy exists, mantra therapy exists. And uh, why this why this is so powerful? Because it is on all levels of creation, on the more uh, um, gross matter and the subtle energy mm-hmm. levels. Mm-hmm. That's really beautiful. What a beautiful uh, quote also from uh, Max Planck and such uh, so inspiring that it came from when he was receiving the Nobel Prize. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. One of the eight limbs of yoga set forth in Patanjali's Yoga Sutras is Prachahara. It's one that we don't get to talk about very much, but since mantra is a form of Prachahara, I thought we would touch on that. And Prachahara means interiorization or internalization of our attention, which is part of the process of meditation, right? As we you know, go into meditation, we are withdrawing our the searchlight of our attention within. Um, <clears throat> mantra can also be a focal point for meditation. We'll talk more about that. I think the um, the idea about uh, focusing concentration in the second part of the show. Uh, why is withdrawing our attention from the outer world important as we begin to meditate? Um, I think what what happens as we go on the path is that we realize the outer world is just this reflection of an inner world. Mm-hmm. And so with mantra, you know, we, we're, we say it's sensory withdrawal, but what we're really doing is becoming aware of all the stuff that's going on inside of us. And then eventually um, learning how to uh, w- withdraw our attachment from all of the triggers and in our environment. And ultimately, that's what mantra does. It brings us back to this very this core core awareness, where we are, you know, it's it's the old uh, what's the phrase? I'm locus of control. The locus of control moves from external to internal, mm-hmm. and then the mantra serves as an anchor, as as uh, what Stella was saying, eventually taking us to deeper and deeper levels of our own consciousness. Um, and you know we're going to discuss the other limbs later on, but uh, this is a very important um, uh, 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 process to go through. The the awareness has to shift internally so that we we are aware that we are the ones 
through our mind activity, creating the, the world around us, at least our perception anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that's that's the, the power of Pratyahara from, from my experience. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's not so much denying the senses or anything like that, denying uh, sensory input or, any, or that. It's, it's really learning that our senses are just a conduit for consciousness to meet the world. And so we're just returning that back. Mm. Nicely said. One of the forms of mantra is chanting the Sanskrit word Om. And on your website at ipi.global, you write in an article on the benefits of chanting Om, you write, repeating a mantra supports the ability to be in the present moment which by itself increases the perceived happiness as a recent study in the journal Science showed. Would you share more with our listeners about how being in the present moment increased perceived happiness in this study in the journal Science? Um, yes, so what they did, they used a cell phone app and asked about 2,000 people randomly at randomly chosen times, three questions. What are you doing? Are you focused on it or are you mind wandering? And how happy are you right now? Mm. And analyzing that, they found that people were in general happier when they were focused on what they are doing mm. rather than being mind wandering, mm -hmm. you know? And um, interestingly, that was true for pleasant as well as unpleasant tasks. That's so, so interesting. Yeah, so that was that was uh, what they found, and so it's just just being present, being aware in the moment alone has the potential to make us happier. Mm. You also write in this same article, according to Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, and you <laughs> refer to the Yoga Sutras one point two seven to two nine. Um, and this is the quote, meditation on OM results in com cosmic consciousness and the removal of all mental and physical obstacles to success on the spiritual path, which I thought was really lovely. Meditation on OM results in cosmic consciousness and the removal of all mental and physical obstacles to success on the spiritual path. In this article, you write about a pilot study that compared chanting OM with chanting another sound, which they used S, and found that uh, functional MRI images of participants varied when they were chanting OM versus the S sounds. Would you tell us more about that study? Yes, so they, as you said, um, they compared chanting OM, chantings, and then a resting state and only when they chanted om um, it calmed, calmed sorry calmed the activation of the limbic system so the limbic system is about the emotional processing so when we are anxious this network in the brain is very active so they found by um in this uh, in this uh, certain condition about with um mantra um with the mantra om it calmed the limbic system and that was a similar result um then other studies who activated electrically the um, the vagus nerve mm. and that also 
calmed this limbic system. And so the vagus nerve is the 10th cranial nerve, and it's an integral part of the parasympathetic uh, part of the autonomic nervous system, and it supports the restorative process, right? Rest and digest. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it makes sense because it, it, you know, it passes the throat. So through the vibration, right, in the throat, it may become activated and through that activation the limbic system goes down but interestingly interesting it was that um it was only specific for chanting om hmm. compared to us. Mm -hmm. so that what what um what that study found and there was another study who um just looked it was another fmre study and they looked at what happens in the brain when you just repeat a word just simple a word not a specific sanskrit mantra just a word and what they found it was a general deactivation of the brain and specifically in the default mode network and so the default mode network is active when we are mind wandering when we are doing, um, you know, tasks we can do, like driving the car and our mind is somewhere else, then it's kind of in an auto mode. So that's, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and when we concentrate and repeat one word inwardly, this gets activated. And in any task where we focus, if we write a poem, for example, this would be activated, but then other parts of the brain would be activated, which are necessary for focusing and writing mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. the poem, right? So when we, we do a mantra practice, or in that case, it was just repeating a word, it deactivated, and that could be compared um, with a gl more global awareness, you know, where like a, um, a being being focused. And it also went along with the people uh, in that study. They said that their thoughts were, you know, were calming down. And this is what our what our aim is in meditation in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yes. Which brings me to the question about Sanskrit words used as mantras versus uh, other languages. So the mantras we've uh, we're talking about so far. We just talked about uh, Om. Another mantra that Yogananda would often use is the Hangsa, you know, mantra, and those are both in Sanskrit. So my question is, does a mantra have to be in Sanskrit to be effective? Um, no, but but you have to realize that certain sounds, uh, vowels and syllables that we make do produce effects. What is uh, stronger is what is the intention behind the particular mantra. Um, so, but there's no doubt that that Sanskrit mantras uh, do energetically activate different parts of our being. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I know from my own experience going into temples where mantras have been chanted a lot, whether it's a, you know, a Hindu temple or even a Gregorian chanting in a, in mm -hmm. a Catholic, 
there, there's, there's an, a, a, if you're sensitive, there's a palpable um, effect that you can feel. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, and some of that is intention, but some of that is the actual vibrational fr- frequency of different consonants and vowels. Uh, the, the, the Sanskrit alphabet in itself is a mantra. Mm. Um, you know, and chanting the Sanskrit alphabet can be a very powerful tool mm. um, as a prerequisite to meditation. So, you know, there we can say both, really, that yes, there's a difference between um, the sounds and the frequencies, but it's, it is ultimately also the intention that's behind it. So, you know, using a mantra, love, God, peace, they work. Mm-hmm. Why? Because mm-hmm. we have that intention behind them. But mm-hmm. different sounds definitely have um, an irritating uh, effect because of the frequencies. Our, our bodies, you know, there's a little cilia on our cells that are like antennas, they're crystalline, they, they vibrate with the sound. So um, we, we can affect ourselves, not just on this physical level, but to deeper levels as well by using the appropriate mantra. Mm-hmm. I think um, this is a very um, interesting question. I think this no, you can um, basically say there are two parts um, to it. Um, when you practice mantras, you have the benefits of the focused mind, which I uh, said about, you know, what these studies found out and they found out, you know, that mantra practice is helpful for anxiety, stress, depression, burnout, anger issues, um, and in general, psychological distress. And then this other part is more on the vibrational level. Like Marty said, if there is a vibration present in, you know, in a room or inwardly by repeating it, we get, we go in resonance with it and it kind of manifests, this aspect manifests in us. For example, if I would use uh, uh, Ganesh mantra, uh, remove of obstacles, I you know, I would aim at that this energy or aspects of the divine will manifest in my life and within me. Mm-hmm. Good point. Good point. Yeah, yeah. One more point. And, and with that, we're at the we're at the break. You're listening okay. to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the show. Here with my guests, Marty and Stella Woodkey, and that's W T T K E. Marty and Stella are Kriya Yoga teachers and pioneers in neuro and biofeedback treatments. They are founders of the Infinite Potential Institute, which you can learn more about at ipi.global. We will be having, uh, we'll posting these links on our website at theyogahour.com. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us through that website, theyogahour.com. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo. And when we come back from the break, we'll explore more about deepening our meditation practice. We'll be right back. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. 
All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. Insights and practices for spiritually conscious living. Welcome back from the break. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo. I'm here with um, Marty and Stella Woodkey. And again, it's W-U-T-T-K-E. And you can find out more at their website, ipi.global. And Stella, over the break, we were just chatting and you were talking about the healing aspect of mantra. Again, like from an energetic perspective, would you share some of that with the listeners? Yeah, so some... um you know, people in the healing arts and also in uh, Ayurveda and uh, traditional Chinese medicine, there is this idea that your energy flow should be harmonious and in balance and that actually physical Im- uh, symptoms appear when the energy flow is disrupted, maybe blocked somewhere. And this makes sense if we think of our blood vessels and our blood circulation. If there is somewhere a block or it's disrupted or, you know, a cut, whatever, you know, there is, um, there will be symptoms. Mm -hmm. There may be a disease, disease, right? Right. So, and with that uh, philosophy in mind, we can say that when we are ill, that the body's natural order of frequencies or the natural um, energy flow is altered. But uh, that we can restore that by using vibration or sound. And this is actually what uh, mantra practice is. So we bring in specific vibrations or sounds and um, nature itself has the tendency to go from disharmony towards harmony Mm -hmm. so when we bring in harmonious sounds we invite all aspects of our being mental or physical to get into harmony again Mm -hmm. into balance and if we are in balance we are healthy, we are more flexible too. So flexibility is really an important aspect uh, of being healthy. Mm -hmm. And then Marty, over the break, you and I were chatting also, and we were talking about the difference of the source of the mantra and how it comes Mm -hmm. to you and Mm -hmm. how uh, the effectiveness of the mantra is actually affected by that. Would you say more about that? Sure. Um, uh, Roy, Roy Eugene Davis used to say this uh, quite a bit um, ha- since he spent so much time with Paramahansa Yogananda and had strong experiences that um, that the mantra that is given by one's guru or teacher uh, has a power to it. There is a consciousness that uh, sort of connects one to that lineage of teachers that uh, go, uh, you know went went beyond and there there's definitely a a noticeable difference or feeling with different mantras associated with different traditions mm. um so i think that's important you know you can read is one thing to look up a 
mantra on YouTube or read about it. It's another thing to be in the presence of um, someone who has really actualized that mantra and sort of their consciousness is permeating that mantra. Mm -hmm. um, there, there's a difference between those two um, mm -hmm. introductions. Yeah. So I think it's important to to try to get uh, in person, uh, you know, whether it's initiation or just a recommendation uh, mm -hmm. from somebody who is enlightened. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would be really useful to share with listeners how to use a mantra. And typically it would be done, well, you can do it any time of day, but as specifically for meditation. So Stella, would you go through how you would use a mantra as part of a meditation practice? So there are different uh, options. Of course, you can chant it aloud. You can um, repeat it inwardly. And I think it's really also a matter of um, the person who's doing it. If you're very devotional, you may really want to shout it out, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and really repeat it uh, aloud. And maybe then as you quiet your mind uh, with it, you go more inward, repeat it inwardly. And then uh, I remember I saying at, the, at a certain uh, point you just listen to it anymore so that would kind of be an even more subtle way mm -hmm. of mantra usage mm -hmm. yes definitely I know I've often been instructed by um, Yogacharya O'Brien and other teachers to pair it with the breath and so for example to say it once um, when you're chanting inwardly to chant it inwardly once on the inhale and again on the exhale, if there's like a two word mantra, you know, chant one word on the inhale, the other word on the exhale. So you can pair it with the breath. And then I agree that and then as we can feel this in meditation, as our thoughts begin to settle and we can then just let the mantra repeat, we can just listen to, you know, the internal chanting and then um, eventually um, even, you know, go beyond that to uh, another technique. And one of the things that I, I love about the yoga path is that there are teachings about the steps of meditation that are so clear and so universal. The teachings of these eight limbs of yoga that are put forth in Patanjali's Yoga Sutras. We talked about the importance of interiorizing our attention or pratyahara, and that prepares us for the next limb of the eight limbs, uh, which is concentration or dharana. Um, how do you describe this limb of concentration, this practice of concentration to your students? Sure. Um, you know, from a certain perspective, since we're both into neuroscience, we look at it, what is the brain doing? Because um, really meditation is a process of changes that the brain goes through in order to, uh, you know, evolve and quiet. Um, so concentration is essential and it's it's uh, can be missed by a lot of people on the path because they want to go straight to samadhi. And concentration is very important because it's when we when we learn how to concentrate, we're working on the frontal lobes of the brain. And if you've ever heard, heard Roy talk, he was very big on how important the frontal lobes are because they have to do with goal planning, motivation, impulse control and so on. So I think that um, that concentration is, you know, the, these these yogis who developed the uh, eight limbs 
they saw that the, that we had to go through these stages in order to experience those higher stages. They were it was like the foundation. Mm -hmm. So concentration is extremely important because without that, we won't be able to get the brain to shift so that other pathways in the brain start to wake up and uh, and, and ultimately quiet down the limbic system, as Stella uh, keeps mentioning. It's extremely important. And without concentration as, as the foundation, everything is uh, much more challenging. And it's so important also to mention that nobody just sits down and is able to concentrate for half an hour on one thing. Mm -hmm. This is why all the meditation techniques are so important to really that teach us to focus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and why there are all these other limbs before that Mm -hmm. so that we can finally concentrate on one thing because everyone thinks like oh well that's not a big deal i just sit down and concentrate on one thing well <laughs> try that right <laughs> until you try it right <laughs> and so i think that's so important to to know and and be aware of that and be really compassionate with with oneself when you sit down try to meditate and all these kinds of uh <laughs> all these kinds of ideas and thoughts and whatever come to mind to really be aware that we had it's just it's it's really a training of focus mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. then when it's effortless when you are able to effortless focus on one thing then we are actually already at the next step diana Meditation, yes. I was going to say, or I was going to give you guys an opportunity to say, so this process of concentration we've been talking about is picking a focal point and then returning the attention, returning the attention, returning the attention to that focal point. So what are some common focal points that we can use to direct our attention toward? Um, well, there's a few. I mean, the, the third eye, uh, you know, the um, the point at the, at the forehead is, is important. Um, again, for what I mentioned earlier, the frontal lobes and specifically the prefrontal lobes. When, I mean, there's studies that show when we keep our attention there, um, blood flow increases. And I mean, there's there's even a study that shows the thickness of the brain there actually uh, increases. And again, it's a training process. As Stella said, you don't just sit down and play a piano. You take lessons and practice and practice and practice. Right. And and really, that's meditation, maybe even beyond learning to play, play a piano, but it is a process of, of actual structural changes that occur in the brain. Mm -hmm. So the third eye is an important focal point. The breath is, an, you know, as you mentioned in your introduction, the meditation is, is a focal point. Why? Because the breath is always present. Mm -hmm. Your breath isn't, you know, isn't happening yesterday or tomorrow, it's here now, mm -hmm. and, it, and it brings us into the present moment. Um, and then, of course, the third thing is the, is the mantra. So you have three focal points, breath, third eye, mantra. And um, mm -hmm. I, think, I think those ingredients uh, make a good formula. Mm -hmm. no. No. Yeah, that's great. And so the process is you sit down, you're um, listening to mantra, your attention is on mantra, and then you realize that you're thinking about something else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you just catch yourself, right? And then you, you know, as you said, you're building your concentration muscles, really, by bringing mm -hmm. the attention back. You say, oh, mm -hmm. no, you know, okay, not giving myself a hard time about whatever I've been thinking about, because that's a natural process. But bringing it back, bringing it back, 
bringing it back, you know, to, you know, to mantra until the mind is settled enough that we can let go of mantra. So how about what Stella already mentioned, which is the um, next limb uh, or meditation, dhyana. So um, can you speak a little bit more about that, uh, Stella or Marty, about um, this limb of meditation? Um, just expand a little, Stella, on what you had said earlier about how um, what the relationship is between this process of concentration and then meditation. Like I said, um, as I understand it, in Dharana, it's really there is the concentration on the object, but it's it's really not not easily flowing at that point. It's this reconcentrating, reconcentrating, and training. And I think when this training is complete at that day in that moment, it's an effortless um, flowing of the focus or the concentration on one uh, chosen object mm -hmm. and that can be the breath that can be the third eye that can be the mantra uh, whatever our focal point is god um um and so on and um then eventually um in this process as i understand it it can happen that we emerge with it that we become one with it mm -hmm. that would be a supported samadhi supported by an object so mm -hmm. we become light we become mm, sound we become whatever our um, focal point or focal object um, was mm -hmm. yeah and and um maybe we should also mention this as a focal point because when mantra when my mind is quieted after my mantra practice then i begin to listen to inner sound and whatever inner sound there is is connected to om to that you've already mentioned that that primal sound stella can you talk a little bit more about that listening to inner sound and then you know just how how it's all connected i guess <laughs> um well the primal sound Om is the first expression in in creation, recording uh, according to yogic philosophy. So if we um, concentrate on Om and on that vibration, we we really get in tune with that. We get aligned with that, and we eventually can understand that too. It's the same as when we use a specific mantra for a specific deity. Uh, in meditation, using that mantra, we we can experience it. Then we understand. We have the experience of it, and then also the knowledge of it. Mm -hmm. I, I think too. Um, you know, a lot of people want to hear inner sounds during their meditation, and Roy also would emphasize this: that sometimes the sounds that you hear are just your body's own sounds. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can hear your blood flow. So you might have tinnitus, um, there might be all kinds of, of of blood vessel or neurological sounds or inner ear sounds. But eventually, uh, and you can actually use those sounds as focal points. It, it, it doesn't matter because they're going to lead you deeper. But eventually, um, the goal is to hear the OM 
and um, usually you have to have, be in a very quiet space for that, mm-hmm. uh, and or you know a sacred space, meditation hall, whatever. And then you begin to hear hear the Om, and um, Paramahansa Yogananda's guru Sri Yukteswar writes in the Holy Science that that is like the baptism being bathed in the holy stream, mm-hmm. and that will lead us back to divinity. So the Om the Om is 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 very f- powerful as far as that goes, and eventually. Uh, most meditators will begin to hear that, and then that becomes their mantra, just listening to the own. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And I think it's so it's so important um, to be open for that experience mm. and just to listen whatever is there. Maybe we hear our heartbeat, or you know whatever sound there is, or the neighbor um, neighbor's TV or whatever. But we can just listen to whatever is there and be open. Then to to eventually you know hear the this creational vibrational ohm frequency. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I should also mention that um, normally in meditation seminars I've been in, when when listening to inner sound is mentioned, also there are people who are more visually oriented, and they mm-hmm. instead of instead of listening, they focus on. Uh, uh, inner sight and with the when the with the focal point being at the at the third eye marty as you mentioned Mm -hmm. um, but then just letting the gaze be um be uh, open and relaxed kind of Mm -hmm. looking at an inner horizon and then for Mm -hmm. some people that's that's a better you know technique Mm -hmm. um you had you had mentioned stella how concentration or dharana then just flows into meditation and one of the analogies that that i always appreciated because i i get the i can get a sense of this in my own meditation practice um is that uh this was first heard i first heard from uh, ellen which she probably first heard from roy um yogacharya o'brien i should say um who heard it from her teacher roy jean davis so um the likening of concentration to a stream of water coming out of a faucet and when the stream of water comes out of a faucet Mm -hmm. there are these little drops you know that that fly off and for some reason that was just a very real uh analogy to me because i that's my experience you know I'm trying to concentrate on my focal point uh, and then, you know, something flies off and you have to bring it back. But then it just flows. It's not something that you can make happen, but your concentration begins to flow toward the object, flow toward that. And that's the process of that's when meditation begins. And in the analogy that um, the the feel of that is when the stream um, of uh, liquid instead of water now becomes a stream of oil. And there are no little droplets flying off. It's just this smooth stream of oil, like oil would be poured out, you know, when we are in the kitchen, put it, pouring it into a pan and how, you know, and how that, that, that stream is just so smooth. It was something that was helpful to me. So I wanted to, you know, mention it to uh, listeners as well. Um, and um, did either of you want to comment any more on just then, because these last three limbs are so related, you know, dharana, you know, concentration leading to meditation, as we've just talked about, and then meditation flowing into uh, samadhi. The correlate of what the brain uh, goes through, how the brain changes as we f- flow through this process is, is interesting. Um First, you see an overall quieting, and this this is uh, from research with advanced meditators. 
you see this overall quieting of the brain, but then the cortex, the you know the outermost shell of the brain, um, begins to produce high frequency activity called gamma. And initially, we we thought, well, how could that be? That's an indicative of of um, external awareness. You know, it's the gamma frequencies, beta frequencies. But you you have to understand what gamma represents in the brain is. Um, it's a binding frequency. So when you see gamma, I mean, everybody has gamma. When you recognize somebody, when you have an aha moment, when you learn something, you see this massive connection in gamma, again, a binding frequency. Well, with advanced meditators, you start seeing this all the time, uh, gamma that's well above the norm. Mm. So again, this goes back to that notion of being present, um, being aware in the moment, not living from uh, past memories, and not living in the future. Um, so gamma is what happens as we we evolve neurologically into the ability to go into samadhi. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so cool that you have the background in the in actual the um, EEG and that you've understood this now. You've done the studies, um, and mm-hmm. people can hear a lot more about that if they want to look up some of the episodes with you from our archive. We've talked about that um, several times. So thank you for bringing it that in. I think that's really helpful to put it in that perspective that this is something that we can see. And I actually love the the correlation that you can make that the frontal lobes actually thicken and they change, and that's why um, you can't. Uh, Stella, I was thinking back to what you said earlier, you know, when you were nine, you wanted to be enlightened by 11. (laughs) I just thought that was so dear. Um, And, uh, you know, it it, it doesn't happen quickly because these are, and that's why it's important also to have the steady meditation practice, to have a regular meditation practice that can then, you know, contribute to these changes that are going on in the brain that need to happen to then support these higher levels of consciousness. And with that, We've come to the last couple of minutes. I wanted to give you a chance to share any words of encouragement or inspiration that you want to leave with our listeners. And there should be a chance for each of you. So go ahead, Stella, Marty, who wants to go first? Maybe just one thing, um, one more thing about um, mantra practice. I think it's really important to individualize it for yourself. Mm. Use a mantra you're really comfortable with. You know, it, and that can be an English one. It can be God, it can be peace, it can be love. And um, really try different ones out as well. Play with them and see where they, they lead you. Mm-hmm. And Marty? Um, I just, I always go back to what uh, my guru, Roy Jean Davis said. He said, everyone will make it. Everyone will make it. Um you just have to you just have to practice the procedures put your time in and uh ultimately freedom will come mm. and uh i remind myself of that and when i have a client in front of me who's complaining i remind them as well <laughs> <laughs> right right yeah. it's it's really the hours of practice there's even a study showing that really um the most famous, I think, um, musicians, they are not necessarily the most talented, only they are still talented, but what they really put in is the time, the time of practice, and then expertise comes. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of that corny joke about, um, you know, someone stopped someone on the street in, in New York City. And how, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? And the person says, practice, practice, practice. <laughs> <laughs> And with that, with that corny joke, (laughs) we've come to the end of the show. You've been listening to the Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the show. We've been discussing the stages of meditation and how mantra supports deepening your meditation experience. And my guests have been Marty and Stella Woodkey, again, W-U-T-T-K-E. Marty and Stella are Kriya Yoga teachers and founders of the Infinite Potential Institute, which offers neuroscientific non-invasive methods of neurofeedback, energy medicine, and meditation training. You can find out more information about their programs at ipi.global. They are located in Santa Barbara, California, but programs are also offered online. Uh, We will be posting links to their website as well as the recording of this program on our website, theyogahour.com. Thank you so much, Marty and Stella Woodkey, for joining me today on the show. Thank you, Laurel. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. We encourage to join listener. Uh, we encourage listeners to join us for many online programs offered by Yogacharya O'Brien and the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment. The programs include morning meditation, which occurs daily from 6:30 to 7:30 a.m. Uh, daily afternoon meditation from 4 to 4:30 p.m. Pacific, and Sunday satsangs from 10 to 11 Pacific time each week. We invite you to enroll in the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment small group study of the spiritual journey of Advent, which will kick off uh, starting on four Sundays, November 28th through December 19th. You can learn more about this and other CSE online programs at csecenter.org and learn more about Yogacharya O'Brien's programs and books at her website, ellengraceobrien.com. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. Remember, check out our website, theyogahour.com. If you're enjoying the podcast, maybe share it with a friend. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team, founder and spiritual director of the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya O'Brien, assistant producers Ann Hayes and Mickey Coronado, and Jeff Comfort and Louis Pagan in the sound booth at Unity Online Radio. I look forward to being with you again. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash divine 2022 